Hey everyone, this is Beth. And I'm Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. And it's our mission to help you to see yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Hey, keep in mind, we're on YouTube. So go there, check it out. You can see us and listen to us at the same time. So go to your Enneagram Coach channel and hit subscribe and like it. Hey, everyone. Well, we're excited to have Jesse Eubanks, the host of the Enneacast podcast and a certified Enneagram coach as our guest today. Jesse is also the founder and the executive director of Love Thy Neighborhood, an urban missions agency from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and he's been named as one of the top 50 Christian artists and activists making an impact on culture in America. Jesse has a new book coming out on January 24th. Uh, called How We Relate, Understanding God, Yourself, and Others Through the Enneagram. In this episode, we're going to be discussing Jesse's journey with the Enneagram, how it's helped him, and why he teaches it to others. We'll also be talking about his new book and how it can help readers discover more about themselves and their relationships through the lens of the Enneagram and the gospel, which is dear to Beth and I's heart. Yeah. So, hey, Jesse, it's great to see you. Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, you gotta. You have to say Louisville like you have a little chaw in your mouth. You know, a little <laughs> ching. You know, a little like you gotta. You gotta spit something out. You know. Now, well, are it's, you? It's funny you call it chaw. Having grown up in Texas, we called it either chew, snuff, or dip, which all sound incredibly disgusting. <laughs> Like, why would you want to do that? Have you, did you grow up there? Did you move yeah. there? No, I grew, I grew up here. And here's what's funny. I say Louisville. Uh, and, and But I never did growing up, ever. It was always Louisville. Uh, but then I moved to California and everyone made fun of me yeah. so much that I neutralized it. So now it's Louisville. And then it just kind of got stuck in my vernacular. Yeah. So now I, just, now I say it that way. But no one, no one I know says Louisville, that's actually from here. Right. Yeah. Now, did you grow up with a, a stronger Kentucky accent? Uh, you know, no, not really. Because even when I moved to California, by and large, folks would say, oh, I did, you don't sound like what I thought you were going to okay. s- sound like. So, hmm. um, but I, I definitely, um, you know, after I moved from California back to Louisville, but then I worked in the music industry for about five years. And I was gotcha. working with so many people around the world that I I tried to kind of neutralize into a nice Midwestern kind of approach to things because yeah. uh, it was confusing for people when I was saying for these <laughs> oddly. Uh-huh. Well, I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and my parents were very redneck, like deep accents. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my senior, why, why are you smirking at me? Why are you smirking at me? <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing she can say that won't get her in trouble right now. That's well. That's what I'm wondering. Like, I, I mean, I'm not that intimidating of a guy, but I, I had to work on my accent for a year before I went to the University of Kansas. But Beth does pick up on uh, my Texas accent every once in a while because it comes back. And oh yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my wife gets yeah. really thick, especially when her whole family gets together. Yes. And then it and then it begins to slide to where they'll even have terminology for things. This is the one that kills me. So I'm a musician and my wife will talk about the instrument that I play. She'll say, Hey, did you want to play your guitar? And then she'll go hang out with her family and all of a sudden she's asking me if I want to play my guitar. 
which is which is very <laughs> actually I do that when his me. dad's around. Oh, let's talk about the enneagram and nines yeah. and accents. Yeah. yeah. So as a nine, you know, we we see all perspectives, but I also will take on other people's accents, which is really weird because I grew up in Kansas City, so it's very mis- midwestern accent. And so his dad will be around talking about having a code, which means cold. You know, like you're sick. Oh yeah. Uh huh. And I. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But then slowly as I'm around him, I start picking up the accent. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, she used to make fun I'm of me morphing. for saying right quick. Oh, uh-huh. We were doing everything that. right quick. Everything. What, is that, yeah. what does that even mean? Yeah. Be- right. Beth, you're, really you were quick. taking merging to a whole new level. That's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Oh, whole new level. Yeah. <laughs> Jess, like, what are you doing? You I'm like, I don't even know. selling in your codependency. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It's no crazy. one who was better than you, Beth. Uh, uh, what can I say? That's <laughs> just how you roll. Well, Jesse, let's, before we jump into talking about your new book, which I cannot wait to hear about, um, you know, we've been on this journey together, you and I, with the Enneagram for quite some time. And just to see... Um, what you have been producing and how you've been helping people has been thrilling to watch and to cheer you on. So I can't wait to hear more about this book. But I would love for those that are listening to just get to know you a little bit more. So how did you become interested in the Enneagram in the first place? Like what sparked your curiosity about it? Yeah, so I stumbled into it. I worked at a homeless shelter for nine years. And uh, around year seven, um, we as a staff found that we were spending our days telling our city's most vulnerable citizens all about the love of God. Jesus loves you. He has grace for you. He wants you to be a part of this loving family. And then we, in, when no people that were homeless were around, we all bickered and couldn't stand each other. So we're all no. fighting behind the scenes and um, sure. all sorts of levels of like relational dysfunction. And these guys uh, were brought in to coach us through all these relational dynamics, and they brought the Enneagram with them. And the, the first time that they put it in front of me, it was just like, I mean, it was just mind-blowing. I remember going home and feeling unnerved with, with how much it was seeing inside of me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, so just uh, an incredible journey. And then what's also been interesting, too, so this is, okay, so this is, like confession time. Uh, so, (laughs) (laughs) so for years and years and years for a decade, um, I always identified as a type four. And then Mm -hmm. in the process of writing this book, so I was writing this book and simultaneously was doing some counseling and simultaneously some life circumstances shifted for me. And I Mm -hmm. began to realize a lot of the very acute pain that I had been carrying through life had begun to heal. Mm. And I realized, oh, I don't know that authenticity is really the number one desire that I have in life. And I began to really consider, I I think being valuable is really the thing that drives me more. Mm. And so, um, so it's been very interesting in the last like 18 months in particular, I've had sort of a series of epiphanies that really weren't, I was not in a position to have until some of these other things began to heal. Yes. Um, uh-huh. And then I was able to more readily identify this this core desire. So, so confession to your audience, because I have been on your show as a type four, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, 
which I didn't know this. So this is I, like yeah. breaking news. Like yeah, I, I don't know how to move forward. I mean, I was <laughs> anticipating a four and I got something different. What are we going to do? What are no. we going to do? <laughs> As a nine, it's okay. We're going to pivot. <laughs> Stay steady. <laughs> yeah. So um, I say that I'm okay. a three with a raging four wing. I mean, it's still okay. like, it's, it's yeah. incredibly high. Um, sure. So Jesse, I, I want to make you an example because this is so crucial. Common crucial for our listeners yeah. to understand about the Enneagram. When was it that you first found out about the Enneagram? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I what mean, it's been a, de- it? a, de- a decade, at least a decade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A decade of someone who has put all kinds of energy, study, interpretations, community, feedback, thinking that they were a certain type. Yeah. And then through counseling, mm-hmm doing your own work, you find out that you're something else, is not uncommon. Right. It is super common. Super common. I mean, we talked openly about, I I really, 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 really wanted to be an eight. For five years, he was For an eight. For five years. <laughs> that was the safest number I could imagine to be. Now, you weren't thinking this is the safest number. Yeah, that's number. right. But it was like, yeah. And you were like, well, you, you've got to be, you're, I I'm think like, you're a six. I'm like, no, you're a six. Like, like, like get behind like, me, Satan. I, know, like, I will read, never be a six. <laughs> read, read the description, Jeff. And he's like, but your mom's a six and I'm nothing like your mom. Cause my mom is like super phobic six and Jeff is super counterphobic six. So they don't really outwardly look like each other. And I'm just sitting there going, but everything that I'm reading is you. But I'm like, of course, I'm a nine. So I'm like, I just go along, you know, like, okay, well, that's your journey, you know. And so Jesse, what what is that like for you? Like now, I mean, you, you, you joked and framed it as in regards to confession. But, but I just want to say before he jumps in, yeah. just for our listeners, like, so one of my teachers, Ginger Lapta Bogda, yep. she thought she was a four, but Claudio Naranjo said, I think you're a two. And Russ Hudson, I think, thought he was a four and he's a five. Um, and so, and what I've heard also is exactly what you're saying is that I had to start at this place that I thought I was because that was the path of my healing journey. But once I got some healing done, there was a like a wall or so there just wasn't anything left to do or go, which we all know that's not true because, you know, we're on this side of heaven. And that's when the epiphany, the aha moments come of, oh, wait, I think there's more growth to happen, but it's not what I thought. And that can be really scary, but it also can be like this whole new level of freedom and inspiration and growth. So back to what you were saying, Jeff. Yeah. So Jesse, what's it like for you now? So you've got a lot of story out there that You've spoken yourself as a four, and now all of a sudden, here you are, you're publishing an Enneagram book, and now you're saying you're a three. I mean, what was that experience like yeah. when you realized, like, uh-oh, I think I'm yeah, this type myself? And, and it's like the worst time, right? It's like I have signed a contract <laughs> to write a book on a subject <laughs> for which I have postured myself as an expert and oh wait no I'm an idiot never you know it's like it's, oh, it was very I, well hey it was let's it was very, be honest. If more church leaders were willing yes. to simply say, I signed up for something that I thought I was going to be the hero, but I'm actually not very good at this right. at all. I'm humbled. I'm, I, yeah. But, but yeah. I still have the, because you still, even though it's going to be a new journey for you, 
it doesn't discount all that you have learned and oh absolutely you, right that's yeah. what's so cool you know is that yes. yeah you're on a new journey yes because um, even even then I think about like I, you know I was going to counseling and last year you know when, during one of my sessions my my counselor said of all of my male clients you are the most emotionally aware and emotionally attuned male that I work with and I think a lot yeah. of that came from me investing a lot of energy for so long into the qualities of the four. And so I think that Mm. even though it was not true to my core type, I do think that it afforded me developing certain skills and certain strengths um, um, that are going to pay off. So, so the, I mean, the answer to your question, Jeff is um, it's, it's a strange experience uh, to, to sort of thought and okay, I see the world a particular way. Um, but I also think there's something very liberating about, I mean, you know, there's, there's old saying, um, God can use who you are. He cannot use who you are not. So there's no need for me to sort of like go, but I, I need to be, you know, uh, a certain person, a certain type. I think that there's, Mm -hmm. um, a sweetness to just kind of going, you know what, let's, let's just kind of own up to this is, this reflects me more. These are more my values, um, yeah, and it is funny because I did have, um, you know, uh, some time ago I was really wrestling with sort of the final questions of like, am I am I really, is this true? And a buddy of mine, um, I was talking to him and I said, you know, I signed this contract for this book and they want me to do all this promotion. And I told them like, listen, I really value authenticity. I don't want to just be out there selling myself all the time. And he goes, Oh yeah, you really value your authenticity. You've been on a stage since I've met you. You've got multiple podcasts. You've got, I've got a book that's coming out for sale. He's like, and so, and it was a real sort of sweet, like just a, like, like, like Nathan dude, the we, prophet, dude. It's like we all know, we all know who you are. We all know how you're wired. Like we love you. It's okay. Just be who you are. Yes. It's all good. And so, uh, so it's been, it's been, a, it's been a journey. Yeah. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom? From your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. So you've been on this journey for not too long. I mean, I'm assuming it's kind of like starting over and to some degree. I mean, because what's... 
with our our new book, More Than Your Number, we show how you have parts within you, and those parts yeah. are your wings and your Enneagram paths, the two lines. And so four is a big part, obviously. So it's not that the work you have done is for nothing. It's been a huge part of you, and it's helped you to grow in immense ways, especially as, as a three, to go there in the emotions and to understand yourself more authentically is great. But at the same time, now you're having to, in some ways, start afresh or anew. Has that yes. been hard? Or what's that been like? Yeah, I would say um, it's 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 humbling in this regard. Um, I, I think the biggest I think the biggest piece to swallow for me has definitely been the fact that it's that I've been in the public eye, and that mm. I've I've devoted enough time to sort of talking about the forness and then now to come to a place, I think it would have been an easier journey for me definitively had I not been behind a microphone or on a stage talking about mm-hmm. these yeah, things for so long. Um, but I, but I also think at the same time, you know, to, to the point you guys made earlier, um, I, I also think it's an opportunity to try hopefully in the midst of this to model, mm-hmm. um, yeah, exactly. Hey, Sometimes this is just how it works. You know, sometimes some healing has to happen before we can see things with more clarity. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. and so for me to kind of get to a stage, you know, I'm, I'm 43 now. And so much of the first half of my life, in so many contexts, I was the odd man out. I was the black sheep. I was unusual in the context I was in. Um, mm-hmm. And the Lord used those elements to write a particular story with my life. But it did aggravate sort of that unresourceful for stuff, that sense of being an outsider. Yeah. But as those things have resolved, you know, um, yeah, now I'm in an opportunity where I'm like, okay, you know what? I am somebody that's energized by building things. I'm somebody that's mm-hmm. energized by going and teaching. I'm energized by uh, getting together with people and putting strategy together and putting teams together. Like, okay, I like those things. Let's lean into those things. Um, hopefully in ways that are going to be good and helpful to other people. Wow. That's great. I, I just it, it, in at times I, whenever I have insight and then I immediately have those, uh, it's almost like a movie where you look back in time and you're like, Oh, that's, that's what was happening. Then I thought it was this, but have you had that experience too, where experiences of your leadership and your relationships where it's like, you know, as a three, now I get it. Yeah. I understand yeah. the feedback I was getting. For sure. For sure. I mean, I could think of scenarios in which I was working under someone else's leadership who uh, identified as a four and the and the conflict that I felt with their, what I perceived as moodiness. And I'm not a particularly moody person. And it was always a very strange thing for me to go like, why, why am I a four? But I don't really have this moody thing. And therefore, mm-hmm. and they're really moody. And why does it rub me wrong? And, um, and well, now it makes more sense because I tend to at times lock into, um, we have things to do. We'll, we'll let the emotions catch up with us later. Right now it's mm-hmm. time to lock and load. Um, so not a very, that's not a very four-ish quality. So there's some things that definitely made sense. And I think too, even the, the, the things really dawned on me recently is, um, um, you know, I remember that uh, Donald Miller, when he first came across the Enneagram, he identified as a four. There's, You can go online mm-hmm. and there's various things where he's talking about being a four. And now, of course, yeah. if you follow Don now, he's a three as three comes. But I think that yes. it's, it comes from a place of we emulate 
very well the cultures that we value. And I grew up in a very avant-garde, sort of unusual, artistic culture. I worked in the music industry. Um, You know, I moved to a neighborhood where overwhelmingly African-American, I'm one of few white people. Like, there's just a sense in which the, the culture that I valued valued foreignness kind of stuff and so yeah. the the three quality of emulating and of going what's valued here oh those are my values and now i'm going to embrace yep. that i think it's very easy for us to accidentally lose it and we don't realize it's happening and so yeah. um, when well, we've seen several what we believe are type threes being shaped by certain people in the enneagram community thinking they're fours mm-hmm. and then they they've like like donald miller you know like that's a perfect example like i was like what i don't see him as a four and so but but you think about he was out i love that portland you know he's lived that guy's living out in portland and it's like he's emulating what's valued in the portland culture and that's why i think this is such a great conversation because a lot of people might say well see the enneagram is you know confusing or complex it is complex because we're complex you know yeah god didn't make us in a cookie cutter way where we're not just in a box we're just a complex being and what you're showing is the three the complexity that they bring is if they do have that strong forwardness to them and they're identifying or um, emulating a certain group or community community to be valued and it's a four-ish community or whatever type it is they can appear or look different than what they are and threes can look very or be very chameleon like and again it's not to try to um, harm or put on a mask because they're trying to not be seen that is literally just the mechanism that's going on in the three to survive until they're aware and they can start to pull that mask off to be their authentic self. And what's so cool is that you're kind of going in the reverse way. So it'd be really interesting to see how God uses the, the your situation to take what you've already learned and what you've already done with the Enneagram to a whole new level. And this is just so common. That's why I brought up the examples of my teachers. Like, I know this sounds like, really, you didn't know? And it's like, no, like this is, we are complex. But the journey that God has us on is is good, and it's the one that we need to be on right now, right where we're at, so that we can grow in who he's creating us to be. Okay, so Jesse, getting to the book, How We Relate, tell us how it's different or set apart from other Enneagram books. You know, Tell us what the readers can expect when they dive in, like the insights they're going to gain, and how they can apply it to their life in a unique and helpful way. Yeah, there are so many books out about the Enneagram now, and it's really yes. been um, wonderful because uh, th- there's all these great new ideas coming out and sort of remixes of mm-hmm. older ideas. Um, um, but this book in particular, I, I kind of set out with with three things uh, that, that I wanted to explore. The first one is an emphasis on life story. So um, a lot of times people, it's easy to read the Enneagram and sort of just look at sort of the fruit of the tree without really having any consideration for the roots. Like, where did all this come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of us as people, um, we are living and behaving exactly as our story makes sense for us to live and behave. And if we right. would take time to slow down and understand the stories that we've lived, um, then that would really help us 
in our self-awareness. So, so the first thing is, um, I wanted to, to write a book that explored story. So in, in it, I say, uh, Enneagram plus life story equals clarity that you really can't mm-hmm. understand the Enneagram apart from life story. Um, but if you hold those two things together, you're going to get clarity. The second thing is, uh, I wanted to explore Jesus. Uh, the Enneagram needs Jesus. I, uh, just like you guys, I firmly believe the Enneagram is a wonderful tool, but it does not care about me. It is just a tool. <laughs> it, it cannot, <laughs> it, it is not going to save me. It's not going to do anything for me. Yeah. The Enneagram cannot love me into wholeness. Um, right. and I need, I need Jesus, like not the, not the idea of Jesus, not the concept of Jesus, not, not the figure of right. Jesus. I need Jesus himself. So, um, so with that in mind, the Which book, actually, ex- if I can, if I can just yeah. pause, like if you're not watching us on YouTube, this is the perfect time to go because right behind you is a perfect example of what you're talking about. Yeah. Can you, can you describe the paintings behind you and yeah. what they represent and kind of how it connects with what you're saying? Yeah. So, uh, so these are two prints by Gustav Doré. And, uh, so this one, uh, over my shoulder here, um, is the prodigal son. And then, uh, over here you have the good Samaritan. And the basic idea is that God's grace makes us people of justice. If we're people that have received goodness from the Lord, then we go out and we give goodness to other people. Mm -hmm. And I think in the exact same way, um, I mean, if if you are really seriously, honestly exploring the enneagram, like this is going to be you. You're gonna you're gonna get you, to a place in which, like, you're broken. <laughs> you are coming home and right. you're rehearsing your speech. Like, Father, forgive me for how I've sinned against you. Like, there's there's a brokenness that comes with it. But but in the same way, the Father receives us and then sends us out to share that same mercy and justice and goodness with other people. Um, you know, it, it is interesting you say it that way because it. One of the phrases that Beth and I have used is our our Enneagram type is the strategy that we've used to try and live apart from Jesus. Now, yeah. it can also be the very strategy that we use to live out our calling. But in, until we receive how we've taken what God has given and went out and spoiled everything, and but we, we come back and we find renewal. But I think what I love yeah. about what you're saying too, Jesse, is the Enneagram is a non-judgmental friend, but it reveals. <laughs> I mean, like, it's going to reveal, like, your great qualities when you're healthy, and it's going to go all the way to the very bottom when you are not doing well. And that is hard to hear, receive, accept, own. And then when you're that that place does self-condemnation and fear and shame and bitterness and mm-hmm. regret, does it all... Um, swallow us whole or do we have a place like you're saying to go to to rest because Christ has taken care of all of it so yeah we can see who we really are at our best and to our worst but knowing that Christ has taken all of it and forgiven us and given us his righteousness which is exactly the prodigal son where we can be embraced be whole be nude and uh, revive to the place where we then go and love others well so just yes. you talked about story, you've talked about Jesus, and I think you had a third one on what makes this book different. Yeah. Yeah, and the third one would just would just be this, the gospel. So in traditional Enneagram teaching, the the basic premise is 
we have these horrible, deadly sins, these vices, and we need to counteract those with these virtues. And mm-hmm. um, But as Christians, that's actually not our theology. That's not what we believe. What we believe is that we're not transformed by good advice. We're transformed by good news. And so, so that the third piece of this is just the gospel. What does it mean for Jesus to bring us good news and for it to be a transformative thing for us? And so a lot of times when people think of the gospel, they think of the gospel as a singular message. Um, I believe it might be more helpful to think of the gospel as a, as a diamond. It's multifaceted. It has lots of angles and sides. And there is one angle that typically is going to pierce each of our hearts in a very mm-hmm. profound way. Um, and the Enneagram allows us to begin to explore that specific aspect of the gospel message that we need to hear. Um, yeah. And so, um, so, uh, so, yeah, that third piece is, is the gospel itself. What does it mean to receive the good news from Jesus so that then when we begin to try to live out of our true selves, we're doing it as uh, a response to this good news, the good news that God loves us as we are, not as we should be. And what does it mean to live as disciples in response to this good news? Super, super cool. I really appreciate that. It's so dear to our heart and our own approach to the Enneagram. And it's encouraging for other people to see the opportunity that a a Christ-centered approach to the Enneagram can offer for people. And so uh, we we could not more fully support just head over, buy the book, Yes. You can get a whole new glimpse of uh, who you are, who Jesus is, and what he's actually done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. So in each chapter, you break down each of the nine unique Enneagram types. Mm-hmm. So can you share with us uh, what readers can will learn and experience through reading about their type in this book and why they should, but in addition to that, why they should read all nine types and what the benefits are of that. Yeah. So um, so first off, uh, I, I believe that we're all nine types. So I know that like we use the shorthand, you know, I'm a, I'm a core this or I'm a this or I'm a this. But the truth right. is that we have all nine of these qualities. And even, and even those that we don't have much of, I do believe the Lord wants to invite us to embrace more of each of the nine. Yes. That, that the abundant life Jesus is asking us to walk toward um, includes that. Um, when somebody picks up the book, um, first off, they're going to encounter a lot of stories. So there's a lot of stories in the book. So if you're somebody that loves stories, you'll, you'll like that. There's also over 100 uh, illustrations in the book. So if you're hmm. somebody that's highly visual, you like uh, stuff that's going to be like a visual image that you can take with you to remember a concept, this is going to be for you as well. Um, but each of the chapters, after they go through the, the true self and the false self, describing when people are healthy and unhealthy, from there forward, it becomes a chronological exploration of the type. Mm. It begins in childhood and adolescence. So what are the themes? What are the wounds? What are the desires? Um, and then there's a moment at the end of the childhood and adolescence where they want this good thing, but they settle. And that settling is when the moment changes to where now we have the nurturing of the false self. There's an idol that develops. There's sacrifices made to that idol. There's a deadly sin. Uh, the deadly sin defends itself through a defense mechanism, sort of all that stuff. And all of that is like very bad news. Like it's like very bad. So like right. the, the first several pages, you're going to go like, this book sucks. Like this is really painful. <laughs> um, but but then there's this wonderful moment in which uh, you will encounter Jesus. 
And there's a really particular structure that I've followed um, in each of the chapters regarding your encounter with Jesus. Um, and probably uh, the easiest way to say it is this, um, empathy plus authority equals trust. And, um, and, the, and the reason, uh, probably the modern parallel uh, for that would be this. Anybody who's ever uh, had an addiction and you're trying to get clean, um, you usually go and you find a sponsor. And when you go to that sponsor, you want somebody that empathizes with you. They understand the, the scenario that you are in, but they have also modeled the way forward. And I believe that that's how they earn trust. And I believe Jesus does that exact same thing for us. So every chapter is going to explore how does Jesus empathize with your deepest wound for the type that you are? And then how does he affirm you and by modeling these great attributes, but then how does he confront you by also showing you a better way? And then finally, the last turn is, um, is the redemption of your true self. So now that Jesus has come, he's given you this great message. Um, what does it look like to walk with him? Um, and what is the good fruit that comes out of that? Wow. Yeah, just see, we, there's various passages. As I think back through my pastoral career, and how I taught certain passages of the Bible and how the Enneagram was could have been very helpful in applying them. But just what you said there, I a few couple of passages came to mind when when Jesus had compassion over Jerusalem, because hmm. they were sheep with the f- understanding that Jesus is moved with compassion over our unique experiences. It moves him to the core of his being. I remember Brennan Manning explaining that. In, um, I can't remember if it was Ragamuffin or Abba's Child, but he was talking about how it moved Jesus, his womb, his gut, gut was moved yeah. for us. But yes. then Hebrews, that he's <laughs> not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. That there, There's a sense to where Jesus, uh, he wants to be known as one who empathizes. Yes. And yet at the same time, like in his affirmations to the disciples, in this world you're going to have trouble. I get it. I feel it for you. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Which is exactly what you're saying there. Like, I know you're going to have trouble, the empathy and compassion, and I have authority. Mm-hmm. I've accomplished something for you. I've walked a path before you. Um, which, uh, just think about what that would look like. But not just who Jesus is for everybody, but who he is for each of these types in our own personal experiences. Yes. I mean, that that is just remarkable that, I mean, yikes, I have trouble containing all the experiences of Beth and our two children, and yet Jesus carries them all. Mm-hmm. What a gift. Yes. And, and there's this fundamental question, right? Like, we have this problem where we have trusted the wrong things. Yeah. So there's this question of how do I transfer my trust to Jesus, which is to say, how does Jesus earn my trust. And in the book, I'm trying to make the case, he earns our trust by firsthand experiencing our deepest wound and then affirming and calling out the goodness in us, but also giving us a vision for a better way of doing things. We have to take our trust that we've given to the wrong things and transfer it to Jesus. And so ultimately the reader is left with this question, what will it take for Jesus to earn your trust? And has he done it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Man, I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, this is totally like 
I mean, in my wheelhouse, let's go. Where's the book? I need it right now. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, wow. Thanks, Jesse. I mean, one, just thanks for being transparent and honest with your own journey. I think it's going to be inspiring and and comforting Mm -hmm. to so many that are stuck and trying to find their main type because they can see themselves in lots of types. And I totally 100% agree. We're all nine types. They're all a part of us. And to different degrees. Um, Like, obviously, for me, I identify as a type nine at the core. And when I talk about being a fi- like the five part of my heart, it's the least I access. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have value. I Like you said, I need to tap into it. So thank you for just that inspiring information and kind of aha moment to, to, to take a look at all the nine types, to read all nine types and to find which parts of them resonate with you and what parts of the healthy parts of them can you pull out and emulate. Um, So thank you for that. Thank you for just your expertise and diving in and doing the work yourself, because this is not easy work, as we know. Um, It brings so much richness and depth to who we are, and we just really appreciate all that you've done. So, yeah, and thanks for sharing uh, about your story, your own personal story, and also sharing about your book, How We Relate, Understanding God, Yourself, and Others Through the Lens of the Enneagram, releases on January 24th. So we encourage you to head on out, uh, grab the book, and be sure to check out Jesse's other resources, such as the Enneacast podcast. Uh, we've been a guest on a yeah. few different episodes, which yeah. has been fun. Even and Libby and... Yeah. And, and, and hey, and be sure to check out Jesse on our Type 4 podcast because he really is helpful to Type 4s. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it really was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, that's right. And uh, and be sure to head on over to Love Thy Neighborhood. Uh, the website's um, lovethyneighborhood.org, .org, not .com, .org. And uh, Jesse, we're so grateful for you, uh, your contribution to our lives, to our YEC team, and to the many people that we get to serve. Uh, You are a gift to us. So thank you for doing the work. Thank you for being the person you are and endeavoring to believe Jesus and uh, live out your sense of calling. Yeah. And for those of you that are listening, if you are interested in doing some deeper work yourself and you'd like someone to walk that journey with you, we have incredibly gifted certified Enneagram coaches where you can head over to myenneagramcoach.com where you'll see a list of amazing coaches that you can choose from that fit you best. Um, And join us next week as we talk to one of our certified Enneagram coaches. But as always, please remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder, because it's the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for joining us.